Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you guys today. Great to see all of you today. Uh, who is glad to be together today? I'm telling you, man, my, my wife, I think, in, the, in these past almost four weeks, my wife was like, I'm really tired of worshiping by myself in this apartment. Um, and I think so often we can take it for granted what it's like to gather with one another. You guys spur me on to worship Father in new ways, and you guys encourage me to press on because a lot of you are going through stuff I have never experienced, yet I see you praising through it, and you encourage your pastor because I know what you're going through, and I see the praise in your soul, and I see the love in your heart for the Father and for others. So I just wanted to encourage you today, don't take this for granted. It's beautiful when we can gather together and encourage one another and be there for each other. I just want to say a quick thank you to our truck ministry who showed up at Miss Cindy Coker's yesterday morning. Thank you guys. We listen, we, we appreciate you guys. I told CE we were like a tree service yesterday, man. We were cutting all types of stuff. Miss Cindy, thank you for letting us come. We love you, Miss Cindy. Um, Miss Cindy does so much for this church that majority of people would never know. So Miss Cindy, we thank you. And I love our truck ministry. I love being the hands and feet of Jesus with you guys. And it honors me to take part with you all. I wanted to talk about our new infant multi-purpose room. Uh, so those of you who are not currently keeping your baby in the nursery or your toddler, there's a room right across from the nursery area and children's church. And it's a quiet room we kind of just took and we repurposed it for this purpose. There's a changing table, there are toys, and there's a breastfeeding area for our new mothers. So we're super excited about that to create a space for parents who are like me where the baby cries and they're like, oh gosh, don't, don't stop, stop, someone's going to look at us. And so for those who are like me who panic when baby gets loud, I'm excited to have that quiet, safe place for parents to take their babies and their little ones. Uh, next Sunday, August 28th, is our Baptism Sunday, and I got to speak to a couple of you couple of you after church today about baptism. But listen, I want to tell you how important baptism is. Baptism is so important that anytime someone in the New Testament gave their heart to Jesus, there were two things. They said, repent and be baptized. So if you have never been baptized and you're like, well, what's the importance? Please come talk to me. Please. There's something. It's more than just an outward showing that now I identify with Jesus. Something supernatural happens when you go in that water and you pop up. The, you're, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and this is why they said repent and be baptized. And so if you have not been baptized or you're curious about the importance of baptism, I'm always here. Please reach out to me. I'm extremely excited for that experience, to experience that with you guys next week and for those who have committed themselves to being baptized. Uh, we are currently in a season where we are wanting to give more towards missions. Um, not just global, but local, right? So we call it global missions. We support global and local missionaries. And we're currently supporting two in the States. Well, I want to support one more, but there's one problem. We don't have enough funds coming in for missions yet. Um, and so I want to put it forward in your heart to start praying about giving towards, specifically towards missions each week as I am going to start doing myself. Um, I believe there are some people who are really, truly following Holy Spirit into a new season in the United States of America. Who knows we need Jesus just as much as Africa? We need Jesus just as much as India. 
correct? We need Jesus really badly here in America. And I want to partner with people who are taking the gospel to those in America who have not heard the gospel. And so I want you to start praying. Talk to your spouse or if you're single, talk, just talk to Jesus <laughs> and let him speak to you. All right. And just pray about it. See, Holy Spirit, what in this season can I do that is financially responsible? But also, what are you calling me to do in this season? And so we as, as leadership, as a church council, we would love to start giving a lot more towards missions but currently not much is coming in because, quite frankly, that's my fault. I haven't put forth a need to you guys, and so that's what I'm doing today. So please just be praying. Um, if you want to know who these people are and you want direct information, y'all, y'all have my phone number, and if you don't call the church, and I promise I'll answer, all right? If you want to talk through these things, I'm here, all right? Because there's a need in America, and I believe that Lord blesses many of us so then we can be a blessing to others. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do. And one more thing I know y'all are probably like, why is he talking about all this so much? Uh, we have ordered the playground. So the playground, all right, we're just waiting for a confirmation date of when it's going to be put in. All right, so I know we're excited. I know it's been a while. You're like, what's going on with that? We're just waiting for a confirmation date because y'all materials are kind of scarce right now. And so we're on a waiting list for all these things to be brought in. Um, so we're super excited about that. Hopefully... By mid, mid, late September, we'll, they'll start coming in with everything and they'll start assembling that. So we're really hopeful, but we're also really excited. And coming with that, we're going to do a lot of outreach towards the community to let them know that we are here for them. So we're really excited for what is up and coming here at Crossroads and what Holy Spirit is doing among us. If you would turn in your Bible or your smartphone John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And honestly, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a recap today from last week. And I don't know where else Holy Spirit is going to take us today. But if you are a note taker and you're like, I need a title for this, I would just, it's just going to be called See Jesus. See Jesus. S-E-E-J-E-S-U-S. See Jesus. Jesus. And that's, that's the whole thing we're going to be talking about today. But if you would stand up once you get your Bibles open to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the New King James, if you're wondering. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. King Jesus, we thank you today. We honor you today. Hmm. We just pray that in our lives you would be preeminent above all things. Jesus, we want to see the world through you. You are the proper lens in which we are to see all things. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray in this time together that you just lead us, you guide us, you speak truth and life into us. Uh, you lead us in this direction which we're going, which is a new way. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you for everything you're doing amongst us. I thank you for this joyful atmosphere you have transplanted into this building in the past couple weeks. I thank you for the love I'm seeing in the community I'm seeing in this church, for us to come, come alongside one another, to love one another. And Holy Father, we just thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace upon the people of Crossroads. In your mighty name we pray.
Amen. And amen. Now, it was brought to my attention uh, after I even watched the video from last week. Y'all, I was so excited. I was speaking real fast. (laughs) I was speaking real fast. And I went back and listened. I was like, whoa, buddy, that's time to speed right there. I was like, we got to. We got to go back because I heard a lot of you were like, hey, that, I loved it. That was life to me. But I missed some things because Pastor Josiah was like Sonic the Hedgehog up here and couldn't get his mouth to stop going a million miles per hour. But I was excited for two reasons. Number one is Holy Spirit is giving me revelation in this season that truly has set me free. Y'all, I was a skeptic in freedom for a long time. I was like, you can't actually be free. Like, you, you can have a week, but, you know, you're going to fall back, right? Sinful nature, you're going to fall back. But now I'm realizing... That freedom truly is free in Christ Jesus. And it's open and welcome for all of us to step into that place of freedom. And so I was excited because I'm living in a place of freedom. But I'm also excited because last week was Friends and Family Day. Who had fun last week? Anybody have fun? I mean, I had a great time. And I I think all of you had a great time with one another. I think all the kids had a great time. There was a very light atmosphere last week. And I loved it. I loved just having fun with you guys. Because I feel like for so long, we, we forgot how to have fun in the church. I'm just being honest. I think we forgot how to have fun. And so, for example, at the uh, truck ministry project yesterday, me and the boys ended up playing football with a shoe. We ended up playing baseball with a, with a like a, what, what even was that? A pipe and a little squishy ball. And right, and so we were just having fun serving Jesus. Right? And so... In this point in my life, I'm realizing that so much joy and happiness comes with freedom. Like, I don't have to look like a pastor to be a pastor that Jesus has called me to be. Right? I don't have to be Mr. Serious all the time to hear from God. I hear from God more just living my life now than I ever did before when I was Mr. Serious Man. So in this season of freedom, I just got excited last week. So I want to apologize for the uh, speed of my speech last week. I'm going to get tongue twisted over here. Um, but I, I want to I talk about something real quick before we get into really what we're going to talk about today. And last week, it may have seemed like I was being harsh towards the heroes of our faith, okay? It probably seemed like I was being harsh with some of the things that I said about the heroes of our faith in the Old Testament. But I'm being very specific because in this season, Jesus is saying radically point people to me. And the problem in American culture is... All of the figures in the Old Testament, we've created social media profiles for them. We only talk about the good and the great events. Be like that person. Be like this person. Look what they did. But the fact of the matter is scripture is brutally honest about how these men truly were and what they truly did vast majority of the time. And scripture is very clear to point out the flaws of humankind because the whole point of the Bible is to point to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And we just read that Jesus was in the beginning. And all things were made through Jesus. And so even in American church today, we always want to follow a celebrity pastor, okay? Follow the next celebrity. Follow the next celebrity Christian. And once they fail, guess what happens to all their followers? They fall by the wayside. Why? Because we were never meant to follow human beings over Christ. So in this season, I'm trying to be very specific to break some mentalities off of us where we will look to a man before we look to Jesus. If you ever look to me before you look to Jesus, I'm telling you, your life is going to be a hot mess. You do not want to look to me. I may be looking more like the image of Jesus day by day, but the fact of the matter is I am not Jesus. 
the only person we were ever meant to look to, the only person we were ever meant to listen to, the only person we were ever meant to idolize and worship is Jesus. And so the fact of the matter is many churches will preach an Old Testament passage over Jesus all the day long because we think we got to hype people up. Be like Moses. Be like David. No, be like Jesus. So the fact of the matter is Jesus is the only one. Jesus has always been. I need y'all to hear this. Jesus didn't just show up in the book of Matthew and be like, yo, I'm here. Worship me. Jesus has always been. Jesus was always the plan. He was the lamb slain before you even existed. Think about that. It's always been Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. And the fact of the matter is majority of us, myself included, lost sight of the fact that it's all about Jesus. So in this season, Jesus is telling me, radically point people towards me. Even if you have to hurt feelings, even if you have to hurt mindsets about these Old Testament characters, show the truth. Point towards me. And the fact of the matter is none of these men of the Old Testament would ever said, look to me. They were always, listen, all these men I talked about had, had, a, had a prophecy given to them of the coming Jesus. So they never even said, hey, look to me, look to me. They were saying there will be one coming who far surpasses me. So they were always pointing towards Jesus, but we as humans have always wanted to follow kings. We've always wanted a king. The Israelites begged Samuel, Samuel, choose us a king. And God is telling Samuel, they don't want a king. Listen, this is what Samuel tells them. Samuel says a king will use you and abuse you. He will send you to fight his wars and he will take your women. That, that, that's what Samuel tells them. And they said, no, we still want a king. Why? Because it is innate in us to worship something. But the fact of the matter is the vast majority of us would rather worship someone we can physically see rather than a father we have to put faith in to believe in. So we in American culture prop up these, y'all, mm, we as humans were not given the ability to handle deity status. We were never meant to be praised. Adam and Eve were given dominion over all things except one, other human beings. We were not ever meant to rule one another. We were never meant to be praised. So when you have a megachurch pastor who has 50,000 people in his churches, who are we worshiping at this point? And the problem is we all seek kings. Whether you realize it or not, you seek a king. We want to follow physical flesh and blood people because it's easier to follow what you can see than what you have to believe. So in this season, we're going to break down these lenses by which we've seen church, by which we've seen, honestly, just reality around us. And we're going to see Jesus. And this is one thing Holy Spirit keeps telling me. We must read the written word of God in light of the true word of God. Jesus must be the lens in which you see the scriptures. So if you have been taught something about the Bible that does not reflect the heart of Jesus, you've been taught wrong. End of story. Why? Because only Jesus is the one we look to. Only Jesus is the one that we listen to. In this season, we are radically pointing to Jesus. That's it, man. Jesus is the one that sets people free. You understand all these Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. They said Jesus would open the blind eyes. They didn't just mean physical blind eyes. They meant spiritually blind eyes Jesus would open. And so Paul, Paul is going on the road to Damascus and he's blinded, right? He's blinded. He sees the glory of Jesus. And y'all, the glory of Jesus, Jesus in his true form 
is so magnificent that it completely blinds Saul who becomes Paul, completely blinds him. And for three days, scripture says, Paul neither ate nor drank nor slept. So what does that mean? Paul is sitting, probably freaking everybody out like he's in a trance, and Jesus is ministering to Paul. And Jesus is taking back all the lenses that Judaism put on him, that traditions put on him, to see that even though Paul, Saul, thought he was serving God, he was wrong. He was persecuted. Listen, y'all, Jesus even said, people will kill you and kick you out of the synagogue thinking they're doing a service to God. We are born with lenses, people, lenses that are instilled in us throughout our lives to view things in a very specific way. Ananias is given a prophecy. Ananias is shown a vision. Jesus says, go to Saul, who will be Paul. And Ananias is like, hold up now, Jesus. I know this man. This is the man that is killing Christians. This is the man that is imprisoning Christians. But Ananias goes, he listens to Jesus. And scripture says when Ananias lays hands on him and prays, it's like scales fell off of his eyes. Hmm. Y'all, these were not physical scales. This man did not have scales on his eyeball so he could not see. This was the spiritual blindness being taken off this man. The lenses, the scales that were put on him his whole life were taken off by Jesus. Before we keep going, I just want to recap some things from last week that I think is beneficial for us as a people to start viewing these things of God through the lens of Jesus. And number one is what we talked about last week. We all have lenses in life, okay? This is why, Ashley, this is why, Jason, if you and I went through the same situation, we would see it in two completely different ways. And so tradition and experience and culture teaches us very specific ways to see life. This is what we call in Bible college a worldview, okay? A worldview is in the way in which you view all things in the world. Now, a statistic just came out that said that 65% of Christians between the age of 35 and 20 don't even have a biblical worldview anymore. So it means that We say we believe in Jesus, but we don't believe that New Testament is infallible through Holy Spirit. So the fact of the matter is the majority of Christians have so many lenses on us that we don't even realize, okay, that 65% of people in my age range who claim to be Christian, follow Jesus, don't even view the world in, in sight of Jesus. They view it in sight of the reality around them. We all have lenses, and the fact of the matter is the God that you look for is the God you will find. Three years ago, if you would have asked me about God, oh, God was wrathful, man. If you would ask me three years ago, God was vengeful. Don't mess up. He's going to get you. Don't mess up. God's going to snatch you up. God is the boogeyman. Like, he's going to get you. If you would have asked me three years ago, that was the God I was looking for. If you ask me today, the God I now see is radically different than what I saw three years ago. Why? Because I had lenses instilled from my, not, not because pastors taught me, because life hurt me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Experiences broke me. I was used and abused by people I had loved in my life, friends, girlfriends, whoever it may be, and I was hurt and I was bitter. And so I viewed God in my own image instead of conforming to God's image. And the fact of the matter is in the American church, we have tried to make Jesus conform to our image instead of conforming to the image of the Son. 
This goes back to the fact that there's 3,200 different denominations in America. Why? Because we sought a God and we found him and we are all following different gods. We're purely divided. Jesus said about Satan, listen, y'all, they're calling Jesus a demon. Jesus like, y'all are some fools. What are you talking about? He said, how could Satan cast out Satan? Jesus said, a house divided, a kingdom divided cannot stand. Goes back to why Christianity today is so ineffective to my generation. Why? Because my generation is looking for unity. This is why we love the LBGTQ movement, right? Unity. We're looking for unity. We're looking for a place to belong no matter who we are, no matter what background we come from. We're looking for unity. And the fact of the matter is people cannot find it in the church. Y'all, Sunday mornings in America are called the most segregated hour in the week in the USA. Why? Because we see Jesus from our own lens. I need you to hear this. Sunday mornings are by far the most segregated hour of the week in America. We go to what we are familiar with. Now, Miss Rhonda and Miss Dorothy, I love these sisters, because I can tell they don't got them lenses. <laughs> they, they're not bothered by these lenses like the vast majority are. But the fact of the matter is we have divided, not because Jesus is divided, not because Jesus ever called for division of the saints, but we are divided because we all see him in different lenses and in different perspectives. Hmm. Let's, let's talk about Moses and Elijah. We talked about this example last week, but let's also talk about King David. Let's talk about King David. Listen, I need y'all to understand, I honor, I honor the saints, correct? We honor the saints, but the fact of the matter is these men did not have Holy Spirit. Do you understand? Holy Spirit changes everything. I need you to hear this. Holy Spirit changes everything. All right? Moses is given the law and says, do not commit murder. What did the Israelites do for the vast majority of the Old Testament? Conquered. Why? Moses was raised in pagan society where all gods conquered. Y'all, I need us to hear this because this, this is the beauty of it. We cannot read something into the Bible okay, that it did not mean to these men. We are constantly reading the Bible from lenses of 21st century America. Do you understand? Moses, Elijah, and David would have seen the world completely different than you now see the world. Do you understand? We live in the Enlightenment period. What does that mean? Science and technology rules supreme. Do you understand? Thousands of years ago when Moses, Elijah, and David lived, there was no such thing as the Enlightenment period. Everything was a god. This is why in Norse mythology, we have a god for lightning and thunder. His name is Thor. They also believed that every natural disaster was a god. Y'all, tornadoes were gods. Floods were gods. Everything was a god. And what gods did was gods conquered and gods reigned supreme and gods killed people. It's actually quite fascinating. There's this book called Spirit of the Rainforest that I was made to read in college. Y'all, there are tribes right now in the Amazonian rainforest that their gods empower them to go and kill other villages. It's the same today as it was back then. But now, because we in 21st century America have lenses put up, we don't see the world that they saw the world. So the fact of the matter is, God tells Elijah to show a sign of power. Elijah calls down fire to prove what? God is the one true God. Did God then turn around and tell Elijah to kill the 400 prophets of Baal? You won't see that in scripture. But Elijah turns around and says, 
massacre these men. Y'all, it says they slaughtered them. Do you understand? This is not killing someone. This is slaughtering them. There's a lot that goes into slaughtering 400 people. And then here comes King David, right? He's a priestly king, phenomenal king. King David had eight wives. Is marriage made for one and eight or one and one? Did God tell David to have eight wives or did David's culture tell David that kings have eight wives? Do you know that King David had hundreds of concubines? Last time I checked, God said marriage and the bed of marriage is for one man and one woman, not 400. Correct? And so King David, also while he was running from Saul, pillaged villages. He broke the Sabbath. He stole the showbread from the priest. He committed adultery. So did God tell David to do all these things? Or did David have lenses from culture that caused him to do these things? And so this is where so many of the contradictions in Scripture come from. I need you to see this. Contradictions, they're not truly contradictions. Did you know today, and this happened, oh my gosh, whenever uh, Trump was Trump was. One, they wanted, people wanted Trump reelected back into office. And so all the prophets in, in the charismatic movement said, Trump will be president. Now, the fact of the matter is, a lot of those guys have been right before with prophecy. But this is the thing. And Jer- who was it? What is his name? Jeremiah Johnson? Jeremiah Johnson repented. He said, I heard what God said, but I misinterpreted it. So God is inerrant. That means God cannot lie, nor is God ever wrong. But human beings are errant. And people get God wrong all the time. In my own personal life, Holy Spirit has told me things that I then misinterpreted and acted contrary to what I thought he meant. This is the same in the Old Testament. They hear God. God speaks truth, love, and life. And through lenses of culture, lenses of society, lenses of tradition and experience, they misinterpret what God was trying to put forth into the world. Do we not do this today? Y'all, we have Holy Spirit and we still do this today. Holy Spirit would come on these men every once in a while to do mighty works. When David is writing the Messianic Psalms about the coming Jesus, Holy Spirit was upon him to empower him to see forth into the future that a king would come who would be greater than he, that all things would be put under this king's feet. All things. He'd be the son of God. But these misconceptions are not truly misconceptions. And the Old Testament, this is what I love about Revelation, because every day I wake up, I feel like I see Father in a new way. The Old Testament was written over 1,600 years on three different continents by over 40 different authors. Do we understand 1,500 years is a long time for Revelation to come forth? Let's let's use an example. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel It's it's, it's the recording of King David numbering the people of Israel. And God said, do not number the people of Israel. Why? Because your power is only in me. I am your God. Your power comes from me. Then scripture says that God told David to number the people. And then God was mad at David for numbering the people. Okay, well, God, what in the world? That don't make any sense. 400 years later, the book of 1 Chronicles is written about the same event. And it says that Satan tempted David to number the people. So who was it, God or Satan? It was Satan. They just did not have revelation of the adversary of the people of God yet. The Bible does not contradict itself. Revelation happens over time. Do we see this? Do you see, y'all, that is the, one of the number one things that people have brought to me. Well, what about here where God told David not to and here where it says Satan told him? Y'all, it was Satan. 
But 400 years previously, they did not understand there was a spiritual adversary because to them, everything was a God. They could not understand there was the Trinity and there was Satan and there were two powers at play. Do you understand? This is why in the Old Testament, they're always like, and the God of this and the God of that and the God of that. And these guys worship the God of this. Why? Because there were thousands of gods. But in reality, who are the two main players? Yahweh and Satan. So 400 years pass and they come to a spiritual revelation that, that God did not tell David because God would never punish someone for something he told them to do. They realize there is someone after God's people. There's someone out to destroy the people of God, and his name is Satan. <laughs> Not contradictions, misunderstanding from American perspective of what the Old Testament is all about. This is why the Old Testament is descriptive. I'm going to say it again. The Old Testament, listen, y'all, in Bible college, it is taught the Old Testament is descriptive. It tells a story about Jesus. Y'all, I had to take a whole years-long class of what was called the progress of redemption, and it walked through Genesis through Revelation of Jesus through the whole Bible. The whole Bible is about who? Jesus. The Old Testament is descriptive. You were never meant to look to these men and follow them. They were just telling you their story. The New Testament is called prescriptive. What does that mean? That means you take it and you use it and you apply it. Without my glasses, I am blind. But with my prescriptive glasses, I am able to see clearly. So for so long, we have had lenses that were not prescribed to us, so everything was blurry. This is why we get confused when reading the Bible. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Because our lenses were not prescriptive to who we are as the saints of God. Oh, man, y'all. <laughs> Listen, and this, y'all heard this, right? We are meant to learn from history so we do not repeat history. So why do people keep trying to live in the Old Testament? Why are we stuck living in history gone past when Holy Spirit is in the earth right now moving amongst his people? Y'all, John, the, the book of John ends by saying Jesus did so many miracles. Jesus did so many works that they couldn't even be combined in all the books in the world. That's the Jesus we serve today. That's the Jesus that cannot be confined to a history story. That's the Jesus. Augustine said it this way. Jesus endured a death as a lamb, but devoured death as a lion. That is the Jesus we serve that Genesis to Revelation tells us about. Jesus humbled himself to become the sacrifice of the world as a, as a lamb without blemish, but he rose as a lion. King of the universe. But listen, this is the thing. Jesus doesn't have to conquer the world. He owns the world. <laughs> Y'all, listen, this is why even our understanding of some things in the book of Revelation is wrong. Jesus does not have to conquer the world. He owns the world. Not only does he own the world, the world was created in and through him. This is why the disciples are freaking out on the boat. Jesus is asleep. They're freaking out. Jesus stands up and rebukes the storm. Peace be still. They say, who is this man? Jesus Controlled the storm because Jesus created the storm. All things were made through Jesus and in Jesus. So the storm had to submit to the creator. Hmm. 
And this is why, fast forward a couple thousand years, when Jesus comes on the scene, the Jews had no idea who he was and could not fathom how this man could possibly be the Messiah. Why? Because to them, still, God's conquered. This is why they kept saying, yo, even the disciples said, Jesus, when are you going to overthrow the Roman Empire? Well, what are you waiting for? Get your army together. Get your army together. It's time to conquer. And Jesus looks at them and says, that is not why I came. Why? Because the Jews had a misconception through culture, through tradition, through experience from the fathers who misinterpreted some things. And they didn't see Jesus the right way. Y'all, they had been looking for Messiah for thousands of years, and here he comes, and they cannot recognize him. Can I tell you, lenses are so powerful that for a lot of people, if Jesus stood before your face, you could not see him. If Jesus walked into the vast majority of churches today as who he is, we would not even recognize him as Jesus. I'm telling you that right now. We serve an American-made Jesus. Do you know Jesus was not a white man with blonde hair? Jesus was a Middle Eastern man, curly hair, short hair. By the way, y'all, Jews did not have long hair, okay? They cut their hair short. They, they believed that if you had long hair, you were meant to be a woman. So this whole picture of Jesus with long hair and a halo, that's not Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was a blue-collar man, worked with his hands. Do you see our, we have made an American Jesus. My wife calls it the Catholic Jesus. It's true. It's the Catholic Jesus, the strawberry blonde hair, why Jesus? No, that is not the real Jesus. We serve a Jesus of our own making because it fits our political parties. Hmm, oh man, I'm about to hurt somebody's feelings. Do you know the reason vast majority of people associate with their political parties because you were taught to associate with your political party? Is Jesus a donkey or an elephant? Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Jesus is so superior to any man-made system of government. Scripture says the government would rest on his shoulders. Why? Because he is mighty and he is strong. My goodness, Jesus, y'all. <laughs> we have associated Jesus with the Republican Party. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus, y'all, and I'm going to say something that's going to hurt some of y'all's feelings. Jesus does not care about American politics. Jesus does not care about American politics. Trump is not God's chosen man. I'm sorry to break y'all's heart. America is not the chosen people of God. The Israelites are. We have been grafted in through the love of Jesus. We're not even the chosen people of God. We are now. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen, y'all, America's only been around for 248 years or something of that nature. Do you know what's going to happen in a couple hundred years? We're going to be gone. But you know who will remain forever? Jesus. The beginning and the end. Oh, man. You see the lenses? Pulling back some of these lenses today. But once again, this is what we do in American society. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you could see, if you could see Scripture, even Scripture, right? If you could see the Old Testament through the eyes of Moses, through the eyes of Elijah, that's a contraction, ain't it, sis? You good? I'm so thankful we're past that stage. But if we were able to see, if we were able to see the Old Testament through the lenses of Moses through the lenses of Elijah, and through the lenses of David, I'm telling you, y'all, their understanding of what they even wrote would be vastly different than your understanding. Why? Because we have turned God into simple theological statements and doctrinal boxes. 
Made him easily understandable. Here, th this is what this means. But guess what? If you take 10 de different denominations, you give them all the same passage, they're all going to say different things. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to ask this question again. Do we all have it right? Are there 3,200 different lenses to see the Father? There's three lenses to see the Father. Only through the Son and only through the Spirit can we see the Father. It's the only way, not through human intellect, not through human knowledge, not through going to seminary, not going through Bible college do we see God. No, only through his son and through his spirit can we truly see the Father. <laughs> hmm. Let, let's talk about the example I used from last Sunday from Matthew. Listen, for those of you who are taking notes, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. This is the transfiguration of Christ. Okay, this is when Christ is shown in his full glory, who he's always been, who he will always be. This is who he is. And so we're going to read Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. I want you to have the full context in your head for when we talk about what we're about to talk about next. Starting in verse 1, this is Matthew 17. Just write it down if you can't get to it yet. I'm going to read it. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. And it says this. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And this is what it means. It explains it. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. So Jesus is shown in his full glory. And behold, all right, behold, boom, like that. Moses and Elijah appeared talking to him. All right, Jesus is talking to who? The two greatest heroes, right? These are the, guy, the, these are the two men that these other guys were taught to worship, right? These are the men you follow. These are the men you're after. Verse four, then Peter answered, y'all, Peter's, Peter's that one guy who always is talking when he's not supposed to be. Anyone ever notice that? Peter always has something to say. Always has something to say. And everyone's like, Peter, just stop, bro. Just stop. This is not the time. I feel like Peter was super socially awkward. Anyways, I'll get back to it. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, ready, this is Peter to Jesus. Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What does that mean? He, they, he and the others wanted to worship Moses and Elijah at the same level of Jesus. Do we see that? You understand a tabernacle is erected to worship a deity. So what does that mean they held Moses and Elijah to the standard of? Deity. Oh, man. We got to see it. Got to see it from their perspective. You understand the disciples were taught this their entire lives. Y'all, until Jesus, they were taught this their entire lives. They would have gone to school at synagogue where the Pharisees would have taught them every single day of their lives. You want to talk about indoctrination? There it is right there. Every single day of their lives. Verse 5, and I love this because God is like, Peter, stop talking. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. I need you to see this. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And in this moment, these three boys who were raised their whole life to put Moses and Elijah at levels of deity, everything has been taken away right in front of their faces. And so what is, this, what is this whole Mount of Transfiguration about? Jesus says, I, have, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them and show the true way of the Father. 
And so in that moment, Moses disappears. Why? Because Moses is a dead man. His law is no longer needed. He's gone. He's transpired. Elijah, listen, Scripture says even now we only understand prophecy in part. I need you to understand everything they prophesied was not the full picture. And so his halfway prophecy is no longer needed. Why? Because Jesus fulfills all things. So we don't look to Moses, we don't look to Elijah, we don't even look to David. Did you know it's impossible for a Christian to be a man after God's own heart? You have God's heart. You no longer have to strive to have God's heart. Do you understand this? Scripture said we have been given the very spirit of God that searches the depths of God. Now, do you want to strive to be like God or do you want his very spirit doing all the work? Don't be like David, be like Jesus. Don't follow Moses, follow Jesus. Don't follow Elijah, follow Jesus. Let's look at the Gospels. If Moses, okay, if Moses was 100% right in everything he ever said, in all his laws, if Moses was the perfect man, Jesus would have allowed the Pharisees to stone the woman caught in adultery. Why? Because they said, according to the laws of Moses, we got to stone this woman. Caught red-handed, man. Time to stone this woman. What does Jesus say to them? Let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. And what do they do? They drop it and walk away. Why? Because Moses was not 100% right. This is why scripture says, mercy triumphs over judgment. We don't live under judgment anymore. We live under mercy and grace. Scripture says in Christ Jesus, you are no longer under the law, but under grace. If Elijah was 100% right in all that he said, the Samaritans don't receive Jesus, okay? They don't want nothing to do with this Jewish man. Right? Because the Samaritans hated the Jews. Why? Because they had lenses of racism. Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't And so they reject Jesus. And James and John, right, said, Jesus, let us be like Elijah. Let us call fire down on the Samaritans. Let's kill them all. <laughs> and Jesus looks at them and says, you don't even know what spirit you are of. You are not of the spirit of Elijah. You are of the spirit of the Father. Hmm. Neither Moses nor Elijah had it 100% right, only Jesus. We, in Old Testament and New Testament, are all flawed, broken human beings. Do we understand this? From Adam to the last human being, whoever draws a breath on this planet, we are all flawed human beings. I need you to hear this. There has only ever been one who is perfect. There's only ever been one who could truly show the heart of the Father who didn't have the lenses of the world holding him back from everything God had for him, and that is Jesus. We were only ever meant, listen, in the Christian faith, what is our whole faith built around? Who is the author and finisher of our faith? Jesus, not Moses, not Elijah, not David. Some of y'all got to get out of the Old Testament for a little bit and get in the Gospels, man. Some of y'all got to stop conforming to the image of Moses, stop cheating on Jesus with Moses, Stop cheating on Jesus with Elijah. Get into the Gospels and let Jesus take away all of your lenses. You want to judge someone? Jesus said, I judge no one. And, but if I do, it's a righteous judgment. It's the only one that is true. We have to conform to the image of Christ 
not conform Christ to the image of us. Because if that's the fact of the matter, we have 3,200 different Jesuses just in America. Man. I love Jesus because Jesus comes around teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 48. It's the, what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes around making claims like this, right? So he's quoting, he's quoting Moses, and he's saying, You have heard it is said, but now I say to you. Do you hear this? Jesus was walking around saying, You have heard this. Yo, these are Jews who've heard it their entire lives. He's saying, You have heard this was said. But now I say to you. And what did the father say about the son? Hear him. Listen to him. Look to him. And the fact of the matter is when Jesus was on this earth, he was constantly pulling away lenses. Constantly removing lenses from blind eyes. Jesus called the Pharisees blind, guiding the blind. Were they physically blind? They were not physically blind. They were spiritually blind. They could not see Jesus for who he was. So Jesus goes around his entire time on this planet removing lenses, removing pride. Can I tell you, the vast majority of my lenses were built up because of pride. I wanted to know more than everybody else. I wanted to be able to point at one person and say, you're wrong, I got the answer. But is that the heart of Christ? It's not the heart of Christ. Philippians 2 says this, he says, be conformed to the same mindset of Christ. Walk in humility and love. (laughs) Only listen to Jesus. Only follow Jesus. It has always been Jesus. Let's talk about the power of lenses for a second, then I'm done. I just really wanted to recap some stuff for y'all from last week and kind of go into it a little bit more. Let's talk about the power of lenses. Lenses are so powerful that two nations could be fighting one another and both of them think that they are right. I need you to hear this. Lenses are so powerful that nations will go to war over a misunderstanding. Lenses are so powerful that you and I could go through the very same, very same situation, both come out telling a completely different story. Lenses are so powerful they have destroyed marriages because you couldn't see things the same way. (laughs) Lenses are so powerful that there have been civil wars over political parties. Lenses are what hold us back from Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says this. You can write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 says this. But even if our gospel is veiled, what does that mean? There are scales over the eyes we cannot see. It is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. What does that mean? That means there are lenses put in your brain that do not allow you to see Jesus. Hmm who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. Now listen, what do unbelievers need? They need lenses removed. Everyone who truly saw Jesus followed Jesus. But what does scripture say? The God of this world, who we learn in 1 Chronicles is Satan, the adversary of mankind, has put up lenses. What is that, y'all? Look at our society today, man. There are so many things you can find yourself in. You can change your identity every day of your life, and your identity can be whatever you want it to be. 
lens, 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 lens. Social media, oh my gosh, young people, I, this is why I don't use social media. I would highly get off social media because you're being lied to every day of your life on TikTok, on Instagram, all over that stuff, man. They're lying to you and they're putting lenses on you. Look at the world this way. Okay, also look at the world this way. And they're constantly shifting your worldview without you even understanding your worldview is being shifted. That's why people from the age of 35 to 20, 65% of Christians don't see the world in light of Jesus. Some of y'all are going to receive. I believe it. I do. I believe it. So they were blinded by society. The vast majority of those who do not see Jesus are blinded by society. Some of you are like, why do my grandkids not follow Jesus? The fact of the matter is, yo, they have so many layers above their eyes, they don't even know who they are. This is why we have identity crises all across America. This is why young people are killing themselves at higher rates than they ever have before. How can you expect them to see Jesus if they don't even know what their own name is half the time? So the fact of the matter is we don't need to be praying just, oh, bring them to salvation. We need to be praying, King Jesus, remove lenses. Do you know the vast majority of Muslims who are reached with the gospel right now, the vast majority of the revivals breaking out in the Muslim faith is because people are having dreams and visions of Jesus. Do you know what he does in those dreams and visions? He opens their scriptures, y'all. This is verbatim what they said. He opens their scriptures and shows them where he is in the truth. So Jesus reaches Muslims, how? By taking away lenses. Because those of us who truly see Jesus are truly transformed by Jesus. This is why I can walk in a freedom I didn't know existed through Jesus. Because for the first time in my life, I feel like I truly see Jesus. So the world is blinded because of lenses. Matthew 15, 14, Jesus says this, talking about the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees are judging them for what they're eating. They're talking about all these rules and regulations. In Matthew 15, 14, Jesus says this, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if they blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. What is he talking about? Spiritual blindness. Jesus is saying, you say you follow the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. You say you hold to Moses, but in, in De uh, Deuteronomy 18, 13, uh, Moses prophesies about Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, you who are so obsessed with Moses, those of you who say you follow brother Moses, he prophesied about me and you still cannot see I'm standing right here before your eyes. So a lot of Christians are spiritually blinded because of lenses. Not that you don't love Jesus. Hear what I'm saying. You can love Jesus and not fully see Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is amazing. Golly, you cannot help but be moved by a story of someone giving his life for you. While you're broken and destroyed, you cannot help but be drawn to that story. But the fact of the matter is the vast majority of Christians don't truly see Jesus because of the lenses that have been put on us. Do you understand? In each denomination, we have been trained to be very dogmatic about certain truths. Very, very, y'all, I found myself two years ago, I was so dogmatic, and I didn't realize I was dogmatic until the Holy Spirit started convicting me about the way I spoke to other believers. They believed something different about a book than I did, and I would just go off. How dare you? That's stupid. How could you believe that? Look, this is the answer. Is that the heart and mind of Christ? No. <laughs> so the fact of the matter is, I, even, even loving Jesus, I have been spiritually blind while loving Jesus. Why? Because we are taught very specific ways to see the Christ. When in reality, 
those who lived during the times of Christ would have seen Christ very different than we see Christ. We'll get there. Listen, the power of lenses, and some, and some listen, I, I have been very encouraged. I just got to stop. I've been very encouraged by hearing about some of the small groups where people are like, just, Pastor Josiah, I just can't understand what you're saying. But listen, Holy Spirit is speaking to people and saying, but you will. Ha. What? Holy Spirit? And but that's what me and Pastor Charlie, y'all, me and Pastor Charlie have been saying this for like a year now. Some don't understand, but they will. And now Holy Spirit is speaking that to others. So for those of y'all who probably think I'm a little bit crazy, y'all just let Holy Spirit do it. Let, let Holy Spirit do it. Let him do his thing. I'm not here to do what Holy Spirit's work. I'm just here to put forth some truth and let Holy Spirit wrestle with you about these things. For you from some things. I can't free you. Holy Spirit can though. But the fact of the matter is lenses are so powerful that Jesus could walk before your very face and you may not recognize him for who he is. Let's talk about the disciples. Let's talk about the disciples. There's so many stories. I, I had printed off a couple of them, but there's so many stories where Jesus calls. So in Mark chapter 4, this is the storm story. So they're on the boat, right, and they're panicking. Jesus, why do you not care? We are all going to die. And Jesus stands up and says, peace be still to the storm, right? And then the disciples say, who is this man? They're following someone they don't even know. Who is this man? That winds and waves obey him. Who is this man? Jesus was right before their very faces, and they couldn't even see Jesus for who he was. The, another account in the book of Matthew is right here. The storm is here. Jesus is on the water, right, and he calls Peter forward. Right, we love this story. We always talk about this story. And he calls Peter forward, and so Peter gets out in the water. And, well, first of all, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And so Jesus simply says, come. Right, Peter gets afraid, right? I would too, walking on water in the middle of a storm. I would freak out too. Listen, y'all, we beat up Peter all the time, y'all. Peter's just a broken guy like us. Come on now. And so he steps on the storm and he falls. Jesus picks him up. Jesus once again rebukes the storm. But this time they start to get a revelation of who Jesus is. They say, surely this is the Son of God. Do you see? You see how revelation works? But listen, this is the thing about the disciples. This, this is what cracks me up. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say you're just a great prophet. Jesus looks to them and Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the son of the living God. But what does Peter then turn around and do once Jesus is taken away and arrested? Peter runs. Peter runs. So did Peter truly have a revelation of who Jesus was or did he just see miracles and was like, oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Let, let's, let's keep going. In John 14, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is talking about going to the Father. He says, man, I'm going to go to the Father, and I will prepare a place for all those who believe in my name. Right? And so they answer up, show us the Father. What do you mean you go to the Father? Where are you going? This is when Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. But then they say, show us the Father, and it is good enough for us. And Jesus looks at them, specifically Thomas, and he says, Thomas, have I not been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am? Y'all, at this point, y'all, this is towards the end of the book of John. They've been walking for Jesus for probably close to two and a half years at this point. Walking with Jesus for two and a half years, still not fully seeing him for who he was. We're, we're, we're going to get to the point of this because I'm going to keep going for a second. In John 16, verses 25 through 33, Jesus starts to speak plainly. Jesus says, okay, no more figurative speech. Jesus says, I'm tired of y'all not getting it. I've been talking in what you would call, right, uh, the, the poetic speech, but I'm done speaking this way. Jesus says, from now on, I'll speak plainly. They say, oh, praise God, finally, now we see who you are. You speak plainly. But this whole time, Jesus is walking with them. 
in front of their face. Jesus is raising up lame people. Jesus is touching blind eyes. Jesus is, is healing people of leprosy. Jesus is showing love to those who've never been loved in their lives. And still they could not see Jesus for who he was. Why? Because the disciples were raised by who? The Pharisees. They had so many lenses built up on what the Messiah was supposed to be. Do you know that even the disciples start to question Jesus? Why are you not raising up an army? When are you going to conquer these people? They start to question Jesus about this. Jesus says, that is not the reason for which I came. And so they're like, how can you be the Messiah if we were told this is exactly how you were going to come and this is exactly how you were going to be? Why? Because they had lenses built up that caused them not to see Jesus as the Christ. And look, for another example, Matthew 28, 16 through 17. <laughs> this cracks me. Jesus shows up to the disciples and it says they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus rises from the dead and still they doubt him. Look, let, let's look at Luke 16, 14. It says this, And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Do you understand, y'all? The disciples had so many lenses on themselves that they didn't even believe Jesus was who he said he was even after he rose from the dead. This is why. Let's talk about why. They did not have Holy Spirit leading them into all truth. You better be glad the disciples did not start writing the Gospels before they got the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Gospels would have been janked up, y'all. I'm telling you. There would have been no good news in that good news. Straight up. And guess what? The Gospel is the too good to be true good news of Jesus Christ. You cannot find any bad news in the good news. But if these men would have written the Gospel before they were empowered and endued by Holy Spirit, the Gospels would have been janky straight up would have been horrible from a horrible perspective. The gospel was not written until about 30 years after the death of Christ. You have to understand this. Holy Spirit was doing a work in these people. Revelation came over time. But listen, this, this is what Jesus does. And I love this about Jesus. This is what Jesus does. Let's look at Luke 24, 44 through 45. Luke 24, 44 through 45. Right, this is after he rebukes them. This is after he's like, seriously, y'all still don't believe me? Let's look at this. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Look at verse 45, y'all. This encourages my heart. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. What did Jesus do? Jesus opened their Old Testament and he pointed to every place that was pointing to him. So what does Jesus do? Jesus takes away our old lenses and gives us prescriptive lenses. That's not worth the whole sermon right there. Y'all better get excited. He takes away old wrong lenses and he gives us prescriptive lenses. These same men who walked with Jesus for three and a half years still doubted after he rose. Y'all, if someone rose back from the dead, I'm believing them. Oh, I'm believing them. You, you come back from the dead. Oh, you got, you got my vote. I'll vote for you for president. I mean, you win. It's over. But these men still doubted. Why? Because their lenses told them what the Christ was supposed to be. But what does Jesus do? Jesus sits down. Y'all, I love Jesus. is so patient. Jesus sits down and points to the, to the law of Moses, points towards the prophets and the Psalms that all speak about him. And he said, no, look here. And it says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. For the first time in their lives, they saw the scriptures through their prescriptive lenses. Hmm. 
Scripture must be read in light, okay? The written word must be read in light of the true word of God. Your written Bible is not the true word of God. Jesus is the true word of God. Everything you see in the scripture, everything you see in life must be through the lens of Jesus. If Jesus wouldn't do it, guess what you probably shouldn't do? You probably shouldn't do it. If you've been taught something in scripture that is not the heart of Christ, you have been taught wrong. Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. Jesus is the beginning and the end. Everything that was made and has been made was made in and through Jesus. Jesus is the answer for all of it. We are to look to him. And if we have been taught something contrary to the heart of Christ, we have been mistaught. And the fact of the matter is now, through Holy Spirit, <laughs> he leads us into all truth and he brings revelation. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Listen, Jesus did not just die to take away your sins. Y'all, Jesus was forgiving people of sins while he walked on the earth. That's why the Pharisees hated him. One of the main reasons Jesus died was so you could have his very spirit. You understand if Jesus would just have walked on the earth immortal, you would never have his spirit. But Jesus had to pass away. Jesus had to die so he could then pour out his spirit on the world. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, what does that mean with unveiled face? Your lenses have been removed. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. How do we be transformed to the image of Christ? We allow him to give us the proper lenses, the prescriptive lenses, because unless you see Jesus for who he is, you can never be as he is. Do you know how clear a mirror is? If there was a mirror in front of my face, I could see myself perfectly. This is why scripture said through Holy Spirit, you have a mirror of Jesus. Now look into Jesus with unveiled face and see him for who he truly is. It says from glory to glory. What does that mean? Every day through revelation, you can see a new level of glory of Jesus. Man, if some of us get that revelation. Hmm. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. Romans 12 two, And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does that mean? Every day, pray, King Jesus, remove the lenses. Do you know that's what, y'all, we, y'all, people have done like 30 sermons on this one verse. Y'all, it simply means this. Speak to Jesus. Jesus, remove my lenses. Let me see you as you truly are and walk forward. We get so hyper-spiritual sometimes. Look to Jesus. Ask Jesus to remove your lenses. Allow Jesus to renew your mind to the things of the Father. <laughs> Revelation twenty-two thirteen. Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And y'all, I'm telling you, today can be that day that the lenses start to be removed for you. And I have had personal, private conversations with a lot of you where Holy Spirit is just removing lenses. And for the first time, I've been told by many of you, you feel like you're seeing Jesus. Do you know how I know we're on the right track? Y'all, this church is starting to look more like Jesus. I see you guys interacting more like Jesus would interact. I see you loving one another in more ways Jesus would love one another. I want you to stand today.
You can take that. You can take that for me, brother. Thank you. I noticed that there's a spirit of distraction today because there's so many people getting up, walking around, so many people laughing and giggling. Y'all, that's okay. But the fact of the matter is Holy Spirit wants to get to you. <laughs> you understand when you get distracted like that, you are allowing yourself to miss something Holy Spirit has for you. And you're gonna find yourself stuck in sin cycles and stuck in these cycles. But Holy Spirit, it says, where the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty, there's freedom, but you have to hear revelation to receive revelation. And if you're too busy giggling and goofing off, you're not gonna receive revelation. Yeah, I'm telling you, for someone who walks in freedom, I would never for a billion dollars go back to just even a couple months ago. You could not pay me enough. You could not give me enough. You could not give me more money. You could not give me bigger title. You could not give me bigger platform to leave where I am right now in this moment. I exist in the Holy Trinity just existing. No more striving, no more fighting, no more pushing. I walk with Holy Spirit every day of my life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom where He is. And man, it breaks my heart when we get distracted like that and we allow things to take our focus because man, King Jesus loves you. I'm not mad at you for having fun, but King Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to be stuck. I need you to understand this. He does not want you to be stuck. Just because you're in a good season doesn't mean that season can't turn around a moment and you find yourself broken again. Jesus is the only one who can maintain you and sustain you. Some of y'all are like, yes, that's true because I went through a season that was good and now I'm through a season of crap. But the fact that matters, Jesus is the only one who can sustain us. And Holy Spirit wants to take us into a new place of understanding and seeing Jesus. Because the scripture says, unless you see Jesus, how can you look like Jesus? Unless you look in the mirror that is Christ through Holy Spirit, how can you conform to his image? Listen, I don't want you to, listen, you could, you could live like Moses and do some great things, but you would have some mighty falls. You could walk like Elijah, do some great things, but have some mighty falls. You could walk like David, do some great things, but have some mighty falls. But Jesus can never and will never fail you. Moses did things to mislead the people through misunderstanding. Elijah did things to, mis, to, to mislead people through misunderstanding. David did things to mislead the kingdom of Israel through misunderstanding. Jesus will never fail you. He can never fail you. I just want to encourage someone real quick. I just feel this in my heart. Like we're, we're kind of struggling with the love of the Father. In Romans 8, is my, my phone over here? Look, I'm just going to read this to us. And I want to encourage you today. In Romans 8, ready? It's the, it's the last part of the chapter, 31 through 39. Some of y'all just need to sit in this passage this week and just sit in the Father's love. Romans chapter 8, verses 31. Let, let, I want to talk about the Father's love real quick. How big and wide it's, here we go. Ready? Verse, verse 31. If I can ever find it. There we go. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's Tim Hodges' favorite. Y'all know that one. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God's not after you. God's not wanting to throw judgment on you. God is the one who justifies you. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The one who could condemn you 
is the one who chooses to be on your team. Jesus is your biggest fan. I, seriously, y'all, you need to hear this. The one who could condemn, why? Because he's the rightful judge, could condemn you. But it says he does not condemn you. He is talking to the Father about you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Y'all, you need to hear this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is almost impossible to be separated from the love of the Father. The only way you're getting separated is if you want to be separated. Some of you need to be encouraged this week. You may be going through a season of brokenness, but nothing will take you out of the hands of the Father. Nothing can take you from his love. The only time you will ever be released from his love is if you ask him to be released. That's how wide and amazing the grace and love of the Father is, that the one who could condemn you chooses not to. He chooses to love you. You know, I wasn't going to do this, but if you just feel like you need to come forward, you said, Josiah, there are some lenses I just feel are on me that I want Holy Spirit to remove. I just want you to come forward, even if it's one or two people. I mean, this is a season where Holy Spirit's taking away things to put in the new. So if you want to be prayed for, please, I mean, just come forward. I, I know there are those <laughs> who are in this season, they're, they're wrestling with the Lord over some things in Scripture. They're wrestling with some things in life and saying, God, are you truly that good? God, are you truly the God of love? Is this truly who you are and you're wrestling? I'm gonna tell you, he really is that good. A new song came out by Tribal and it's called Only Ever Good. It's talking about the Father, only ever good. Everything flows out of his love, out of his goodness and his mercy. Freedom comes when our lenses are removed and we see Jesus as he is.
Dear God, we just want to thank you for your so great love and your so great salvation. The love that we don't deserve, Father God, but you give it anyway. The grace that we don't deserve, but you give anyway. The mercy we do not deserve, but you give anyway. Father, thank you for taking off the lenses off of our own eyes, Father God, so we can see the love of the Father. That love that you spread on Calvary, that you, you were nailed to that cross to showcase how much you really love us. So God, we thank you for that today, Father. We thank you for continuing to show us each and every week how much you truly love us, each and every day, each and every second, each and every hour of the day, how much you truly do love us. Father, help us to take that lens off every day so we can see how much you truly love us. God, go with, go with each and every person this week, Father God. And God, I pray and ask that you will bless them indeed, Father. God, that you will enlarge the territories, that you will keep your hedge of protection about them, that you will keep them from evil, that it will harm them not. And God, we want to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Pastor Betty, we have food across the street. All right, guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, there's food across the street.